0: Thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X. Face your fears. And make your life count. Bonjour tout le monde Bonjour, ça va Cindy?
1: Ça va bien, et toi?
0: Oui bien! Wait, wait. oui...
1: Oui,
0: what is it? How do I say Uh, Wait, Uh, Ça va bien, merci, right?
1: Oui, c'est ça!
0: One of my favorite podcasts is Coffee Break French, where they have uh, some people in Scotland teaching people how to teach French. I just love that podcast. It's magical. So I always <laughs> like to try to start. I love the little tune playing in my head, too. Anyway, welcome to Dream 10X episode 16. Woohoo. It's James Capel here.
1: Oh, and me, Dr. Cynthia Capel. <laughs> Dr. Cynthia
0: Capel, she has to go by doctor. The doctor. She just, you have to use the. Uh, <laughs> Proper. hey that was a
1: lot of time and money to get that thing well-earned
0: <laughs> well-earned that's right so today um i read another book this week and i'm on a tear i want to keep reading trying to read a book a week sweet i'll try to accelerate my learning nice. You think it's possible absolutely in graduate school i was reading three or four books a week but that's all i was doing
1: yeah being in school full-time versus working and being in school, totally different experience. How many
0: books were you reading a week in your doctorate program? Oh
1: my God, a billion.
0: <laughs> oh, seriously.
1: Um, it depends. I was reading four or five books at once and then it would take me a while <laughs> yeah. to get through them. <laughs> yeah. And then it wasn't just all books. the different classes. And it the- was journal articles, like tons and tons of journals and journal articles. Yeah. So it was insane.
0: So journal articles, just curious, what kind of journals would you read?
1: Oh my God. Um, uh, journal of Adult Education, uh, Journal of Sustainability. Um, there's tons of journals with culture, I mean, everything.
0: How would you get these journals? Online?
1: Yeah, you can. Through the school library. They used the li- there used to be like physical books in the library, and they would have journal. Um, like, kind of like a magazine where you'd go through and have all these peer reviewed journals, but now it's all online, so it's wicked easy.
0: Mm-hmm. I used to get a lot of stuff, like I used to read Foreign Affairs yeah. and Economist and uh, Business Week. Yeah. But I just got tired of the buildup of paper. And, yeah. You know, Foreign Affairs is really thick too, and you'd have a stack of the stuff by the end of the year. You know, so I stopped reading about it. I've been interested in applying to Wall Street Journal again. Oh, so yeah. Maybe you read that? Yes. Would you read that? Yes, absolutely. Maybe that's one thing we'll subscribe to. That'd be great. Um, All in the spirit of continuous learning and trying to keep abreast of current affairs and what's going on in the markets Mm -hmm. and the world and all that. I feel like I'm living kind of in a bubble here and not, I I don't feel like I can get valid news online anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, we don't even have TV, so we can't get any news anywhere other than online. (laughs) And we don't have, yeah, we don't have cable, thank
0: God. So, yeah, I've been kind of craving, like, some thoughtful distillation of information, mm-hmm. and a, kind of a friend of mine, Kent Workman, gets Wall Street Journal, and so I was thinking we might get it as well. So anyway, uh, back to the theme of reading a book a week. I read this week the a book called *The First Ninety Days* by Michael D. Watkins. And uh, Michael D. Watkins is a Harvard professor, uh, or a, a Harvard Business School graduate, I guess. Something that had to do with Harvard Business School, and uh, mm-hmm. he's a consultant now. And uh, this book is basically about how to put your best foot forward in the first 90 days of a new position, whether you just got hired, or you got promoted, or whatever. And um, so, I, you know, I wanted to read what he had to say in this book, and it's uh, ended up, it's, it's a, you know, I read it all yesterday, it's a pretty easy read. However, it is very complicated. It's a very technical book, and it's—I found it very hard to really assimilate all the information in this book after one quick read. Um, but there were a few things that I, you know, ne- immediately jumped out at me that I wanted to share, share with you and our listeners, real quick about this book. Um, the first thing was how scary it—it it, it made everything seem <laughs> like and i don't know if it's just because it's so technical like but it was just hard for me to like so i'm a software engineer yeah and so one of the key takeaways i i took out of this book is the need to develop soft skills the higher up in an organization you go and Mm -hmm. so as a software engineer hard skills would be like well what are the nuances of you know java 11 and how do you build a Hadoop cluster and, and, and that kind of thing um, as opposed to the soft skill which is which examples would be uh, how do you become aware of the politics in an organization and how do you avoid those political landmines and how do you build coalitions in an organization and how do you get you know build a team and and that kind of thing and um, the book talks about you know realizing becoming more aware of what these soft skills are how to enhance them and identify blind spots in your own in yourself Mm -hmm. uh, as you move up in an organization let me find the quote here um i think it's on let's see yeah page 107 i tried to i got so many dog-eared pages on here there's so many things I, i could refer to and just trying to, to pull out the, the main points that meant something to me. On, on page 107, he talks about hard versus soft skills. He says, don't restrict your focus to hard skills. The higher you rise, the more important the key soft skills of cultural and political diagnosis, negotiation, coalition building, and conflict management will become. Formal training can help, but development, developmental assignments in project teams and new parts of the organization in different functions and different locations are indispensable in honing these key managerial skills. Uh, so, th- so this really jumped out at me because I had no idea what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. This means absolutely nothing to me from a software engineering perspective. Yeah. So, how does somebody like me start to build a skill set around these kinds of things?
1: Yeah. So, what, there's you're not alone, and that's a big gap in so many organizations and reasons why people like me exist is so we can help mitigate that from the start. As soon as you get hired in, there's a certain set of skills and competencies that an organization should hire for, and then we help develop those. Anything from flexibility and adaptability, to empathy, to creative thinking, um, to how to build relationships with others, all of these key things in order to make the business successful. And many organizations totally neglect that employee development piece, and it does directly affect the bottom line because if your people can't build coalitions and they're siloed, they're not working together, you have redundancy of programs, you have redundancy in things, or you're too busy fighting and uh, instead of being problem solving and resourcefulness in order to make the business successful. Hmm. So there's so many ways we can tie directly employee development to business goals and objectives in the mission, mm. and uh, many businesses just totally ignore it as, no, no, we don't really need this, but you do. When you talk about retention and turnover, so employees, especially mm. the, the, the newer generations, they want, they want learning and development. They want to be able to move from job to job within an organization uh, to really expand their own mindsets and continual learning. Um growth mindset is critical skill competency. We call them power skills, by the way, instead of soft skills now <laughs> because it really is a power skill. These aren't soft at all. Learning how to be flexible, learning how to adapt in, in high changing and volatile environments is hard. Creative thinking when you're um, when you're a very uh, black and white type of person versus a shades me. of gray, right? That's really hard. So these are hard these we call them power skills because they really are the power behind what makes an organization and an individual succeed.
0: So can you give me an example for how, like, how would I learn a skill to, uh, I don't know, like, like be, be a more creative thinker, for example?
1: So I recommend mm-hmm. taking a class, and Coursera has one on design thinking. So mm-hmm. in taking different approaches to learn how to think, think outside the box and think differently. So design thinking is huge, because it's all, again, what you do in software development, that user experience. But the way that it operates yeah. is from a different perspective um, and hu- human centered design is the same thing. It's mm-hmm. very human centered focus. Yep. So I recommend that as two easy things you could do to really learn how to th- create, uh, think differently and create. Have create you taken experience. those classes? Yeah, I teach those classes.
0: <laughs> you teach human centered design? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah.
0: Interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. Cool.
1: I teach all kinds of stuff. <laughs>
0: or how do I become, how do I build skills to help me Uh, coalitions. what was the word I'm thinking of where you trying alliances, to, alliances. Yeah. yes I hate that word for some reason <laughs> I hate the word alliances
1: why I don't know
0: it just seems like so slimy to me you're trying to build alliances in an organization but yeah. all right let's go there how do you build how do I learn how to build an alliance as a slimy <laughs> alliance builder okay, well let's talk about
1: <laughs> building relationships instead of alliances okay because all right, alliances all right. does I totally agree it has that connotation where there's one person pitting against another or one team pitting yeah. against another and we want a collaborative environment because that's how we're successful so how do you build right. how do you build collaborative relationships? environment like that. absolutely how do you build collaborate collaborate collaborations and collaborative environments with others so one of them is understanding how they operate understanding who they are as a person having empathy with that person so basically you know having a conversation then having multiple conversations inviting them to different meetings where they might be interested Learning who that person is and connecting with that person on a regular basis. Um, then when you have to go into some decision-making meeting, you reach out to that person and get their feedback. You build that trust. Building trust is paramount to anything in an organization, mm. a relationship. If you don't have relationship trust or organizational trust, the whole thing turns to shit.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Um, so it's really about building trust. And by building trust, ways to build trust is to get to know that person and to be vulnerable and share and transparency and and work through situations.
0: Okay, that resonates with me. I, I think people build trust with me through open communication.
1: Yeah, D- knowing so. you, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> what I've seen in you is that they build trust with you by being open and communicative, and if they tend to not for some reason or go against something that yes. they said, then they've completely broken trust and they're never gonna get it back.
0: Oh. Uh. So. I mean, I'm a, I'm a forgiving person. <laughs> uh-huh. I, gonna, I don't like say you're never going to...
1: Yeah, it takes, a, it takes a long time to rebuild trust once it's broken.
0: Two things you said that really struck a chord with me. Uh, I did not... One of the things I expected to find in this book was more attention to how you can, as a new person or a new leader or whatever, improve the company bottom line. Mm-hmm. I didn't see much discussion about money in here, which is really surprising to me. Like, all of this stuff seems superfluous unless it relates directly to the bottom line. How can you make the co- It's a company? This is a free market society still. How do we, how does all of this stuff contribute to the company's bottom line? If, you touched yeah, on yeah. this. I didn't see it in this book. Yeah,
1: all. that's surprising that they didn't talk about that in there.
0: Because this book seems more like Survivor. Like, like the yes, show, too. like how to Little build alliances. <laughs> and, you know, watch out, watch your back because because you may step on some political landmine. And then, oh, and the thing that so the thing that really highlights what I'm talking about here is how this is it seems so self centered. Um, <laughs> let's see, where did I write it down? It's in uh, chapter ten. Um, it's it's actually in the the back of the book, which is which kind of freaked me out the most when I read it. See if I can find it.
1: Well, one of the reasons he wrote this book is that typically what happens in organizations, and it's very common, that you're really good at what you do. You're a great software engineer. Mm. Because you're a great software engineer, we're going to put you in a management role, mm. and you have mm-hmm. no idea how to manage mm-hmm. people. No clue. You don't know how to build relationships. You don't know how to yeah. have effective communication. You don't know how to problem solve. You don't know how to accept feedback. All of these uh, critical things. So he wrote this book to help people quickly learn and strategize on how to how to approach being in that new position in your new role
0: yeah i, I get that but then he says here the, at the end of the book in chapter 10 he says when a new leader fails to thrive it's a severe perhaps career ending blow to the yeah, individual i
1: totally disagree with that that's, <laughs>
0: that's i read that I'm like holy crap don't promote We're me die. yeah it's <laughs> no, the end that's... of my career that's nonsense. It is nonsense. But why would he say that? Like just I don't to, know. just to amplify the importance of his book and the probably you know, his company. I don't know. But I don't know. That just seemed like way way beyond the pale, right there. So agree So I didn't agree with that. Um. But yeah. So the bottom line, I, I felt mm-hmm. like you know, in, in any role that you're in within an organization, you need to be thinking about what is my how is my role contributing to the bottom line of the company? Absolutely. Um, how am I adding value to the organization? So that's another thing I took away. What took away from this book was the concept of the break-even point. Mm-hmm. And what the break-even point basically is is, uh, as a new person, you're you're in a learning mode. You're trying to your accelerated learning mode. You're trying to learn about the organization and how you fit in and what you can do and whatever and in that mode, you're, you're extracting information, you're extracting resources, you're asking people questions, you're taking more out of the organization than you're giving. And at the, the break-even point is when you finally get to a point there where you're, you're starting to figure things out and you can, you're actually contributing an equal amount of value to the organization that you're extracting from it. And he, he provides a graph in there where that phase is typically or supposed to be around the third month Mm-hmm. of your, your start, your new start. And I guess that's, that's the name of the book, The First 90 Days. So it's about how, you know, that first 90 days is how you get to the point where you're breaking through that break-even point and then all of a sudden you're adding more value to the organization than you're extracting from it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So that was an interesting concept for me. Another thing that I learned from this book was the acronym STARS, mm-hmm <laughs> and the acronym star stands for startup turnaround accelerated growth realignment sustaining and sustaining success and so each one of those represents a potential phase of a given project in an organization and that was pretty cool to me I never thought about you know it, It can apply to a company, but it can also apply to projects within the company. Mm -hmm. And so having that awareness of the stage of a project can be really important in how you approach managing that project. And on top of that, you can have a portfolio of projects that are in all different stages of stars. And so being aware of those different phases and the key skills that are in each one of those projects, because not everybody does well in all these different phases. Like I'm definitely a startup guy. Um, I'm definitely, an accelerated growth guy. Uh, I don't know if I have any realignment skills. Sustaining success is not me. I get really bored really quick. Um, <laughs> turnaround maybe, but, but that, what I'm saying is, you know, everybody has similar, me and Strengths. a lot of, a lot of uh, key, key players are probably strong in similar areas, like, cause that's where all the glory is, right? You, you, the glory is in the startup and in the turnaround and, and those kinds of things. So anyway, finding the right people and the right project for your portfolio of stars projects is very important. And mm-hmm. I was, that's a very valuable thing I took away from here. Didn't, yeah, I Didn't have any awareness of that.
1: So. That's so powerful. And so um, when, if you wanted as a manager to approach that, Um, One assessment I would recommend is called the Gallup Strengths Finder. And it's so cool. So it's one of my favorite assessments. So there are 34 key strengths that everybody has. And this is a positive psychology approach. So we want to help build people's top strengths uh, versus if we're always focusing on their weaknesses, uh, it's a really negative approach, but if we're focusing on their strengths, it can totally change and transform organizational behavior. It can train, transform how an individual perceives their job. So if you're really, really good at, let's say woo, winning others over. What? <laughs> so- Another people, acronym, <laughs> So somebody with a really high woo is great at initially meeting somebody and, and getting to know them quickly and finding some sort of common ground. Then you have somebody with so who's high-intellection, and somebody who's high-intellection, they're really, really strong at deep-diving into concepts and really thinking through all of those particular facets. I mean, you're, you have high-intellection. Somebody who's um, really strong in context, they understand the entire history behind everything. So somebody who's high in context will be like, oh wait, well, this is the way we did it, and this is because because um and this is with the results so that you can really get those context people and those with high ideation um those are the ones you want in those brainstorming groups who can come up with ideas seemingly out of nowhere but understanding where your people's strengths are you can build teams and exactly fit them in like you're saying so i'm high activator um that's one of my top and what activator means is i'm really good at starting projects Mm. i start a thousand projects but I am not so good at finishing projects. So, partnering me, High Activator, with somebody who has high responsibility, and high responsibility, obviously, they want um, that they, they feel responsible for getting the job done, or somebody who's high achiever. High achievers definitely like to accomplish many things. Partner with somebody with my Activator, with the Achiever, you can accomplish all of these goals.
0: How is this done, in a, practically speaking? You would almost have to interview people based on their gallop. So, in order you mean to, to into fit. bring them into the organization? Yeah, in order to get, get a proper organizational fit.
1: So, all the strengths are good and positive. Um, and it's, you, can, you don't necessarily want everybody who's in the same type of strengths. So, maybe um, you want more people who are... You want a diversified portfolio. Right. Right. So, I'd recommend not hiring based on that because there's a lot of legal things that could happen. Um, really? Yeah. So like for DISC, for example, when I was in PV professional veterinary products way back in the day, there is a, so DISC does have an assessment where you can bring them in based on what's best in the organization. So they did a a job profile, the best job profile for each of the positions within PVP. DISC is a behavioral assessment and there's four key behaviors that people see typically. One is the high dominant and high dominant means You are a problem solver, you jump in and take risks. Um, There's the high I, influencer. Influencers are really good at building relationships with others. Uh, There's the high S, and S is the steady, and steady is great team players. They like a constant, they're very harmonious and balanced, they're amazing. And then the high C is very high compliant, and they're the ones who are like the rule followers. So for, for each of the jobs, they would do an assessment to see what is going to be the bestest profile for that. Uh, that cannot be the only hiring decision because there's a lot of risk and you could get sued and other things, but there are ways to, to make sure you get a best fit. Like for example, I'm a, a 97 on the D scale and my I is above the line. Um, and my S is at the line and my C I have like at a hundred point scale, I have a two compliance scale <laughs> which means so what that means is i jump into to tanks into to, to pools i don't see whether or not there's sharks in the pools and uh
0: and you don't care what the rules are i don't care it what the way. rules
1: are about it if i'm allowed to jump or not you know screw you i'm going anyway because this is what i think is the right decision yes this is true <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so you put me and i'm a high seat. and you're a high seat. so if you put me in an environment, in the finance environment, so you want to put me as an accountant, I would probably stab my eyes out because accountants have specific rules that they have to follow. Right. So that's why they did these profiles. So what I recommend is once somebody gets hired as part of their orientation and onboarding, have them take a Gallup assessment, Okay. the strengths finder. because then...
0: Wait, is Gallup the same as DISC?
1: No, Gallup is totally different. So yeah, DISC is the—it's a behavior assessment; those external behaviors that you see on the outside. So those problem-solving behaviors and these influencing behaviors. Mm. StrengthsFinder is one of the 34 key strengths that people have, and obviously those have behaviors around them. But that's—but uh, the StrengthsFinder is more internal to your being versus the external behaviors that you see, mm. uh, and so where you really shine. So, for example, my top strength is positivity and. God knows I'm excessively positive and it could be completely overwhelming for some people <laughs> because I love rainbows, unicorns, and puppies.
0: <laughs> no, I, I need positivity to yeah. pull me out of the depths of despair. <laughs> and that's how we can walk so
1: well. And so that's a, that's a great example of our teamwork where you have high intellection and on the ocean row where I'm like, we're going to go. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's fine. And you're like, Cindy, we're sinking. <laughs> so that, that balance. Yeah. Anyway, so like when a manager has that information, as soon as the person is onboarded, then they can start looking at the team dynamics and how that fits.
0: Okay, so that, again, that's another example of uh, an important soft skill in knowing how these different uh, personalities p- come to play in this in a stars portfolio. Right? Absolutely, 100%. Like that that's a really big skill. Like, you really have to learn that because I have no idea how you how you'd even do that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We
1: teach a class on it. <laughs> yeah. There are classes you can take, um, you can hire, you can hire people like me and others for, to, to come into your organization and, and give these assessments to your teams and start helping you incorporate it into your culture.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of learning, um, there's this quote on page 39. I it made me laugh. It, he says, relearning how to learn can be stressful. So if you find yourself waking up in a cold sweat, take comfort most new leaders experience the same feelings and if you embrace the need to learn if if and if you embrace the need to learn you can surmount them. I just thought that was what I mean who in today's economy has to relearn how to learn all of a sudden I mean yeah I, I think it's sad I think that's a sad statement if there are people out there like that like I, I feel like I'm in a constant state of I'm way behind the learning curve every day and trying to to make some dent in it.
1: You'd be like, surprised, like, of the mindsets that are out are there. How many people are out there coasting? Yeah, exactly. And and don't have a growth mindset. They have a fixed mindset. And the fixed mindset is this is the way it's always been. I don't need to learn something. I, it's not that I don't need to learn something new, but I'm totally happy the way things are. Um, how just do having they that curiosity. In jobs? Like, I, can't,
0: I would be in constant, constant fear of getting fired or getting laid off.
1: Well, think of somebody in, in like say an accounting to sleep. role. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But think of somebody in accounting role. The, the laws of accounting don't wildly change day to day, year to year. So.
0: well, uh, Yeah. Okay. Not okay. to
1: pick on accountants because I love you guys. You're amazing. It's just <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy one to that people can wrap their heads around. Yeah, I just thought it was
0: funny. <laughs> like I could not relate to that at all. Like what?
1: Well, especially well, this isn't for, is for me. And what you do, like software development, like, oh my God, if There's you're not no reading way. every day, because you guys are changing all the time. And Absolutely. What I, I mean, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, if you're still programming Java server faces, you're, you're not going to get any jobs out there. I have
1: there, no right? idea what that means. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Um, what else did I take away from this book? There was a lot of acronyms like there's one I never heard before, SWAT. Have you never you heard, heard of that? SWAT? I'm, wow. a, I'm not a, I'm an idiot, man. I don't know you're these terms. You're
1: not an idiot at all. I'm just surprised, like, in your the, the work experience that you haven't been involved in any strategic so, planning. Well,
0: let me just tell you. You're acting like you know what it is. I'm sure you don't. But SWAT stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. And it's a framework for building... Uh, learning around your growth strategy in an organization, and again, SWAT to me sounds like Survivor.
1: So SWAT. My is threats. He... Who's
0: who's who's going to try to take me out here?
1: SWAT <laughs> is actually a really antiquated tool. A lot of businesses. Wait, it
0: came out of Stanford though. So how is it antiquated? Come on.
1: So there are other methods to get the same result and better methods. And if human centered design is one of them in order to get like where you want to go with the business and what that looks like hmm. and to figure out what those weaknesses and opportunities are. SWOT is very SWOT. <laughs> SWAT is very antiquated in its approach. There are much better approaches.
0: And still I, I would find it much easier to understand this book if somehow these concepts were all related to the company bottom line. All that freaking matters, man. Yep. It's like money is all that matters. Yep. None of this stuff matters. Exactly. If you can't tie it to money, then what are we talking about? But anyway, let's talk about the Yerkes Dotson Human Performance Curve. <laughs> <laughs> On page 227. Again, um, I've never heard of this before, but. That one I don't know. It makes total sense. You know, um, if you're under stress for too long of a period of time, you're going to break. Some stress is good. It helps you, you know, light a fire around you and motivate you to, to get certain things done. But after prolonged periods of, of really high stress, you're going to be like, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm and this
1: whatever. is where strength based leadership comes in so much more positively because people are motivated to work in their areas of strength. So you don't need that high stress because you're excited to do what you're doing. You're, you're enthusiastic because you're doing what you're really good at.
0: Yeah. Right. Right, right right right, but, So I think that's uh, yeah, as well. and another thing that I didn't like about the it, it reminds me of uh, the stress that comes from a customer, your customer telling you that the software that you made is not fulfilling. Uh, you know, that to me is like, I never want to hear that. That's I, I never freak that means I did not do my homework up front, yeah. And I never have wanted to be somebody who did not do their due diligence at the very beginning to, to plan for that. I never want to hear a customer tell me that's not anything other than outstanding. Yeah. And that is a, that, that stress is hard for me to handle. Like yeah. I really have a hard time handling that stress. Because I've been there so many times and I've, I've worked so hard throughout my career to avoid that. It yeah. goes back to not wanting to be yelled at by my corporal. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. I'll do anything not to hear that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Yerick Stotson. Yeah, okay. Um, and overall, the uh, the main... Uh, what do you call this? Um, I guess the, he, he calls it core challenges but the the, the crux of this book is um to one prepare yourself for this new role that you're you're coming into mentally get ready for what you're about to undertake accelerate your learning and when i first read that i got excited i was like oh yeah well, let's talk about accelerate. how do we accelerate our learning i want to i want to learn faster i want to learn more faster mm-hmm. like i want to be an ai machine but it's not really talking about that it's just talking about learning more about your the organization that you're mm. in as quickly as possible before you before you make any key moves yeah so okay, which is valid um, because a lot of yeah. leaders
1: come in and make sweeping changes of people are like, "Whoa, what just happened?" Instead of understanding their environment. So I, I mean, that's good advice to just take it easy for ninety days and figure out what's going on first. Yeah,
0: it's just that's just wisdom right there. Match your strategy to the situation that you're in. Mm-hmm. So build your strategy and match it to whatever sit sit you're in. Uh, negotiate your success. Uh, I didn't quite understand that, um, but anyway, you know, make sure that. You're talking to your your bosses and your your managers or whatever, and figuring out how to to be successful in what you're doing. Secure early wins. Now that that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Like any new person is gonna want to show, hey, that my my ideas are valid, my implementations are valid. They're good. They're good for this organization. You want to build validation of your skill set and the way you think. And your ideas, mm-hmm. so that that resonates with me. Secure early wins, achieve alignment. Um, yeah, you know, I guess is the concept of trying to to um, align your 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 vision, your focus with that of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, build your team. Make sure you get everybody around you. Uh, on your team <laughs> and moving your vision forward for the organization and then create alliances throughout the organization which again sounded like survivor to me yeah. but it's very important it's a very important soft skill to have i totally agree that these soft skills are very important uh, for anybody at, at from the lowest level of the organization to the highest level totally agree that everybody needs to learn these things um i Totally agree that I am very deficient in all things soft skills. And uh, I am interested, you know, somebody who wants to get better at what I'm doing, I am interested in learning those things. Mm -hmm. Don't quite fully understand how to do it. Like, Mm -hmm. but.
1: Well, it's good you're married to me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is soft skills. Oh, wait, no, not soft skills. This is, what was it?
1: Dr. Power skills. Dr. Power skills.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Power skills. All right. So that those are the big takeaways I had. I and thank you for woo. I like high woo. Winning others over. I like that. Woo. What's your woo score? Is there a test for that? <laughs> there I is score to five Gallant on the strengths woo. Gallop
1: strengths finder.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah?
1: Yep. I think we did your gallop and I think woo is in your your bottom half. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't do woo. <laughs> That's for sure. So, anyway, um, I'm done with that book. Uh, I'd don't. i I'd have to read it a few times to, I think, really assimilate. I've got almost every other page is dog-eared to oh go back goodness. and relook at, but I've got too many books to focus on. And The next one I want to read is called The Magic of Thinking Big, which Woohoo! is perfect for Dream 10X, I yeah. think, by David Schwartz, Dr. David Schwartz. The Magic of Thinking Big, so I'm looking forward to reading this. That should be another easy read.